my beloved. Welcome back. This is episode 32. This, however, is part two of the pirate, the parrot, and the compass. So before we go any further, if you haven't listened to that one, go back because this is part two and this may not make sense and listen unless you listen to the other one. So very quick recap. The past couple weeks, I've been writing parables to try and illustrate points, to try to get across certain themes, and here I am sharing some of them with you. And you can feel free to share them with other people. So episode 31, just before this, is where I tell that parable. The pirate, the parrot, and the compass. And again, this is my breakdown. So, If you've listened to that one, if you've shared it with some friends and if you had some conversations or if you've already tweeted at me or Facebooked at me or whatever, uh, what you think the main meaning of that one is, you're ready to listen to this. So let's have a conversation. All right. The pirate, the parrot and the compass is all a conversation about this. Learning to love the right things, the right amount. So in early church history, there was a pastor in the 300s. His name was St. Augustine. Maybe you've heard of him. He was a bishop of a town called Hippo in North Africa. So the pirate, his name is Bishop because this story takes some cues from St. Augustine. Not only that, but also from a Jewish philosopher named Martin Buber, who wrote a book called I and Thou. Now, both of these people, I think, are on the same page with saying sin is loving the wrong things too much. Now, whether or not you are from a church or unchurched background, whether you are religious or not, it almost doesn't matter because anyone can get behind that definition of sin. That to sin is loving the wrong things too much. Now, back to the parable. Bishop at first says, perhaps I can use God to get the wife that I want. And then later on in the parable, when he finally meets his wife, he doesn't know how to love her. And then the whole time he's carrying a compass and he has too much of an emphasis on keeping it so much so that he can't break it or smash it under his boot at the end. So what I have here are the three types of relationships that you will have in your life. In fact, every relationship you will ever have with anyone or anything falls into one of these three categories between you and God, you and people, and you and things. Now, Martin Buber, and I think Augustine would say this as well, would each say that each of these three relationships should have a different verb. That at best, we are supposed to maybe adore God, love people, and use or enjoy things. Now, when we mix up those things, those verbs, with the wrong types of relationships, 
then we start getting into some real problems. And maybe that is one of the best definition of sins. To use God as a means, not necessarily just to like better your life, but to use God in a cold and mechanistic way. That's not how the divine chooses to work. And if God does choose to work that way, that's a grace in its own way. But to go around and not know how to love people, either because we just don't or we don't want to or we can't, that's still not the best. And so Bishop has a hard time loving the wife that is right there in front of him that he was promised he would find. But when we worship or adore things, like Bishop worshiped or adored that compass, he didn't know how to have a healthy detachment to things. And so his attachment to that thing of a compass was actually keeping him from loving the people right in front of him. And it also, since the compass kind of took over all of his concerns, God just became an avenue to get things. So also what we have here is a story of a man who has his own religion. He has something of ultimate concern. Now, again, if you are churched or unchurched, religious or not, spiritual or not, whatever, in some sense, everyone is actually quite religious because everyone has something that is their ultimate concern. Everyone has one thing that kind of either helps us have right relationship with everything else or not. And so for Bishop, his ultimate concern was this beautiful compass. And because he made things his ultimate concern, people and his relationship to the divine took the back seat. Now, if people are your ultimate concern, that's at least a little bit more noble than to say things are your ultimate concern. But sometimes, if you've ever been to a, a field hockey game or a soccer game or something else, a basketball, where there's tons of like a youth league happening, and you see that one adult off to the side who's just screaming until their neck is pulsing with veins popping out and their face is red and they're screaming and in some sense acting quite childish. Their ultimate concern is their child. Their ultimate concern may even be the reputation of their child because their reputation is somehow tied up in it. Hmm. And so I'd like to go back to Augustine and, and Martin Buber, who both said, sin is really loving the wrong things too much. And there is a case where you can love people too much and they become your idol. I like to tell people that you become like what you worship. And so if you worship your six-year-old, <laughs> you're going to start to act like a six-year-old. But if you maybe worship God or the presence of the divine and 
the the fire within all things that wants to keep things holy and pure and good and right and true and beautiful in the world, then you yourself might start to look more and more like a person who's concerned with the betterment of the world and wants to create goodness and beauty and truth and love in the world. So this whole parable, it's going to be fascinating to hear what some of you thought the whole thing was about or kind of what you drew from it. Because yes, I wrote it with in mind a good definition of sin that'll sneak up on you. Because as soon as you use the word sin, because it's been used so much, and I think some people are kind of numb to the word, when you bring it in in story form, it kind of is repurposed or is reclaimed as, oh man, this isn't just an ancient concept that's outdated. Sin is actually something that is very real today and and can really be talked about in a way um, that's not bogged down by church lingo. So there you go. I think we're going to try to do a few of these. I have probably eight or nine other parables that could be broken up into two-parters like this. But if you enjoyed it, please let me know. And if you have the opportunity, please go to iTunes and give this a review or a share or subscribe because I'm not making any money from this. I'm just kind of doing this for fun and I'm looking out the window right now just enjoying doing this. And if you find this is helpful, pass it on to other people, especially if they are the quote spiritual but unreligious because I I can see where they're coming from and there are days that I certainly affiliate with that title. So thank you for listening. Give this a share. And uh, let this be the start of more conversations because parables are not necessarily supposed to be discussion enders. A good parable is supposed to be a discussion starter. So with that, I bid you adieu. Grace and peace to all of you. Catch you next time? I don't know what I want to say. Cheers, my beloved.